You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Three in the NFL is upon us, and that means it's time for the Pick'em Show. Bum, 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 bum. Week three is upon us. Now, let's take a look at... Well, let's first take a look back at the Thursday game, which I almost perfected that game. I had Carolina winning, which wasn't super difficult to predict, um, especially with Tyrod Taylor out. Uh, but Houston hung tough there, in the or they hung tough in the first half. It was 7-6, and they closed out the half with a touchdown drive, and it looked like it was going to be a game, but Panthers came back. I had the Panthers covering by, I think it was 8, and they covered. Um, and I had the under at 43, I want to say, so I got the under 2, and then... Just, I don't know why. I was like, I'll have fun and I'll pick the final score. And I had it 31-10 and it was 24-9. So I did pretty well overall on that game. But I had more time to look directly at that game as well. So moving on. Let's see. The first game on this list is Arizona at Jacksonville. Arizona's 97% favorites. You know, I don't see any reason to pick against Arizona there. Jacksonville just hasn't proven that they're ready. You know, it's any given Sunday, and the Jaguars might show up and play better than they have. But based on what I've seen from them so far, like, even if they play their best game, Arizona can get away with not playing a great game. Kind of like we saw, like, Minnesota jumped out 20-9 on top of the Cardinals, or 20-7, and then the Cardinals outscored them 27-13 the rest of the way. So even in a game where Arizona, like, maybe didn't, I don't know if they didn't take Minnesota seriously or they just weren't as well prepared to play down to their competition, whatever. The Cardinals, I think, are just more well-rounded and better everywhere than the Jags. And as long as Kyler Murray's in the game, he'll be the X factor. I don't, I don't see anything to shake that decision up unless there's some injury that I don't know about at this point. Do you have anybody going in that game? I don't know. My team's a little bit of a mess right now. Did you pick up Connor? No, it's weird because I have... So Mitchell is listed as doubtful, so I can't put him on my IR, but I can move him to my bench. So it looks like I still have room for one person, but it won't let me pick up Connor without dropping someone. Uh, Well, yeah, because if he goes to your bench, like, it just puts him on your bench, like... So I still have the right amount of players. It's not that I'm missing someone. Yeah. Because, um... But normally I just don't have a bench spot to move people. I have to, like, swap out. No, I think you can always put somebody oh, on the I bench. See. But you only have so many bench roster spots. Mm. But you can take everybody out of your starting lineup and just, like, have them on the bench. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, I have Deontay Johnson got hurt, and he's out this week. So I have a spot to pick up. I still think I have the extra one. Because Tyrell Williams also went to IR... I'm going to see if I can open this app on my phone while also having it on the tablet. 
So I still have, I think, the spot to pick up. One, two, three, four, five. So I can pick Connor back up if I want, but that makes me very heavy on Arizona. But if Connor's going to have a breakout game, it's going to be against a bad defense like Jacksonville. But also Edmonds could have a breakout game and Connor doesn't get any work. But if they get down near the goal line, like Connor could vulture a touchdown here and finally show some fantasy relevance. But I dropped him after two weeks of basically just him not being even used at all. So. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to wait to see if Mitchell would just be considered out, so I have the extra spot and put him on my arm. Yeah, but... he still might be, but it's the late game. It's the, what, Sunday night game? But if you're going to be shysty and take him from me. Who, Connor? I mean, I'm Nick Scheist. I'm going to be shysty, but <laughs> I'm not going to take him from you. He was on my team, and I had to drop him in order to make room for some of these other Arizona guys that are having more relevance. And against Jacksonville, I'm more happy to have uh, Rondell Moore in there. Maybe even Kirk fire him up, but it depends. It looks like Miles Sanders is not questionable anymore, so we got a got a pup, puppy welcoming somebody to the door. She says she wants, she wants to be on the show. Okay, well, we'll roll Arizona in that game. They're seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I'll take that plus the under at 52. And maybe I'll, I don't know. I still have room to get Connor if I want, unless somebody else picked him up, but I don't necessarily want him. Like, I think I already picked up Goff and just like stashed him. Okay, so next on the list is Cincinnati at the Steelers. Interesting game because the Steelers are dealing with some injuries. Watt is still, I think, questionable for this game. Uh, they're missing somebody else. Who else are they missing? Carlos Davis and Alex Highsmith are both out in this game. And Deontay Johnson's out. Uh, since he has T Higgins and Trey Waynes listed as doubtful. So it's not as one-sided of a game as I thought it would be. Plus Roethlisberger, like he's listed as healthy, but he supposedly has like a pectoral injury that it's like, it hurts if he sits and like reaches at something, but he's going to play through it. So that's scary. And let me see if I can find where that game is listed. So it's 85% Steelers, but I mean, if all those injuries add up, this is a game that Cincinnati could go into Pittsburgh and steal it. If Roethlisberger plays and they're only missing a couple guys on defense with Higgins out or with Higgins doubtful and Wayne's doubtful, you still have Juju, you still have Claypool, you still have Najee Harris who could maybe get on track in this game. You know, I'm tempted to just, I have to favor Mike Tomlin as the coach. I have to favor the experience of the Steelers over the Bengals. But if Watt doesn't play and Roethlisberger maybe leaves the game with an injury or something, or it's bothering him too much and he's inaccurate and he's not playing like himself, Cincinnati can win this game. I don't know. Do you have anybody going? you have anyone on Cincy? I got Johnson, but uh, I had to put him on IR for the time being. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't really have... I only... I don't really have much overlap of teams. Um, which is surprising because normally I don't pay attention to that and do it by accident. But I guess I do have two Green Bay players and two Vikings players, but that's it. Everyone else is pretty diverse. All right. So, I mean, I'm still tempted... 
to say Steelers here at home after the loss to the Raiders. The Raiders are more experienced than the Bengals, but the Bengals, they can play. It just they struggled with Chicago's defense. And I want to, I have to say that like Pittsburgh's defense is better, although if they're banged up, they're not going to be as dominant. Um, so we'll, we'll go with Steelers there. I might change it depending on that last minute injury report, but I, it looks like I picked them already in my breakdown. So the next game on the list is Colts at the Titans. Tennessee's favored by five, over under of 48 in that game. Are you not going in order of the app? No, I'm going. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I should, but in order to reference like the list I made, I have to go in order over there. <laughs> okay, too. that's fine. There's like I got like three screens going right here. I'm definitely going to have like eyeball cancer. We have Titans 93.5% favorites over the Colts at home. Well, in Tennessee. I have A.J. Brown, who is on again, off again, off the injury list. And, I mean, I'm tempted to say he's going to have a good game because he didn't have one last week. And Julio kind of made up the difference. But you got to think that it's going to be Derrick Henry's game, especially after what we saw in Seattle last week. That downhill running in the second half is just monstrous. Yeah, there's no avoiding it. He crushed me in fantasy, too. Yeah. Well, I also have Taylor going in this game against the Tennessee defense, who, I don't know, Carson Wentz was practicing, but he's dealing with some injuries, too. And if Wentz is a, a little bit injured and it's Jacob Eason that has to step in there, you know, I see why the Titans are 94% favorites, basically. Um but that means a bigger workload for Taylor, so he might finally have that like big fantasy game that I've been looking for because he was, I mean, I had the 12th pick, and so he was my number one pick, and he hasn't played like it so far, but I mean, I don't know if any of the top running backs really have other than Henry last week. Christian McCaffrey had a good first week, but he's hurt now too. And possibly for several weeks and yeah. maybe IR, so... Well, they because they have like a short term IR that they can designate, which means they like open up a roster spot, so they can bring somebody in. So it's mm. a little bit more valuable if you know the guy's going to be out. Like I think what is it, three to six weeks, somewhere in that. Is there are there like designate designated windows of injury where it's a temporary IR versus? Yeah, it's like injured reserve designated to return. Mm. So it just allows you to put a guy on the shelf and bring in an extra guy to your roster. Whereas if they listed him as questionable every week and then just ruled him out on game day, it's like they're playing with one guy less on the roster. So they, they made the temporary IR a little bit more friendly. Um, all right. So Titans will probably cover in that game. If Carson Wentz doesn't play, even if he does, it's going to be tough. I don't know. Over under 48 seems kind of low. Because the Colts, they've showed that like they can they can score. I think they've scored 20. No, the first game against Seattle, they didn't get that high. But they scored 24 on the Rams. So they have the ability to score. We know Tennessee can score. It's a division game. It'll be defensive. But I think 48 is still a little low there. So I'll take the over. And then we get Ravens at the Lions. Ravens coming off a huge win over the Chiefs. Lions coming off a Monday night disappointment against the Packers, but they looked really good in the first half. I think they had the lead in the first half. Uh, Jared Goff was looking good, which is why I picked him up as my backup quarterback for this league. Um, I'm not going to start him this week against the Ravens, but 
Ravens on the road in Detroit morning game. With the way the Ravens run the ball and after what Aaron Jones did to them, he didn't really like rack up a lot of yards, but having Lamar, having Tyson Williams, having Latavius, like they just have such a diverse running attack and the Lions didn't show that they can really stop it. They showed that they can get after the passer though. So the Ravens just kind of have the game style to give the Lions a lot of problems. And I'm not playing anybody on the Lions in this game. I have Tyrell Williams, but his concussion has now ruled him out for a month to the point where they actually put him on IR legitimately. He's not just out anymore. So, Is that common with the concussion? I don't know. They, they said, like, oh, this is, like, scariest scenario for him. He was ruled out for Sunday's game against Baltimore midweek, and he's eligible to return in week six against the Eagles if he's cleared from the league's protocol. So... Yeah, that's a frightening injury because he was dealing with some other injuries beforehand and then he got knocked out of the first game with a concussion and he didn't clear protocol going into week two and now he's on IR. So drafting the Lions number one receiver has been a mistake, but I should have known better because he was questionable in the preseason as well. But, you know, I like Tyrell. He played with the Chargers and stuff, so I've seen him play. He wasn't really a great fit on the Raiders, but... No receivers are because they're going to throw the ball to Waller 20 times. <laughs> so definitely uh, Lions can hang, but the defense I don't think is good enough. Ravens might have a little bit of a letdown game after a huge win over Kansas City, but that's the kind of game that can give them the confidence to play like they were one of the best teams in the AFC over the last couple of years. So I'll take the Ravens there. And ooh, eight points, though. That's tough. Eight points is a weird spread, over under 50. I think probably over 50 in that game. The Lions can score, but they didn't score that much on Green Bay. But that game still ended up barely over 50 because their defense didn't hold them in it. <sighs> That's tough. Eight's a lot. Ravens probably cover, but I don't know 100%. Their defense a little young. They give up points. So I'll take the over. Probably Lions cover. Then we go Washington football team at the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Do you have McLaurin this year? I do. Okay, so you got McLaurin going in that game. I have Singletary, Bills defense. I have no Bills Who else players have Diggs. Diggs. He's due for a game here. 97% favorites. I, I don't know. I don't think the spread should be that big. I mean... I understand people thinking the Bills are going to win at home. They've shown that, you know, when their offense plays well, they probably have the better offense. When their defense plays well, they arguably, no, they definitely have the better defense this season. Washington's gotten, you know, chewed up a couple times. They do have a good defensive front, so I don't know that the Bills run the ball that well. If you can get pressure on Allen, he still has been inaccurate so far this year. So looking at this as a Bills minus seven and a half, like that's, I don't know. That's crazy to me. That's way too much. I wouldn't favor the Bills by more than maybe a field goal in this game. It's going to be probably a defensive kind of game. I don't know if I'm going to play Singletary or not. Maybe not just because I have some other options and I like Rondale Moore going into Jacksonville a little bit better. Maybe I'll pick up Connor and throw him in there too. Too late. Oh, you got him. <laughs> I waited. You did it right now. You're telling me I'm shysty. You're stealing Connor while we're 
on the air. Yeah, because you're saying you're going to try and take them back. So. Well, I told you to pick them up yesterday, and I you didn't do it. So. All right, fine. In your honor. I mean, what I really should do is pick up a tight end. Because, I like, I like Goddard. They're playing Dallas. He'll probably have a decent game there. But I need some sort of other plan for them. Yeah. Um. All right. So, Bills, probably not by 7.5. Over under 45. I don't know. Heineke showed that he can go down the field. But the Bills defense has been pretty good. I'll say under 45. But I'm not good at the over-under, so if you're listening to this, take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> and who's next on this list? We got the Saints, who look like the Aints again, headed to New England as three-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road to New England. Where is that game on the list? So this is, this is one of the only, like, coin toss type of games where the Patriots are up 60-40 in the vote. That's kind of crazy. I I have Patriots defense, so I need them to shut New Orleans down. Yeah, uh, it's so tough. Like, the way that the Saints looked last week, they look like shit. Right? Carolina got after them on the defensive side of the ball. New Orleans was missing, like, five guys on defense. I haven't really seen the injury report yet, so I can't comment. Like, if they're still missing all those players on defense, the Patriots could give them trouble. And it's in New England. That defense may give Jameis some problems as well. But I just have to think that, like, Sean Payton, after last week, is going to get his team refocused on what they do best. They're going to run the ball. Jameis has to not make the killer mistakes. And you're going up against a rookie quarterback in New England, too. So if the New Orleans defense is ready to go and they're healthy, they were they ended up as one of the better defensive units last season, even though last year they started the season really poorly on defense. And I was saying that their defensive coordinator needed to get fired in that first month. And then the rest of the season, like he really tightened things down. And they ended up, I think, with like a top top five rush defense and one of the better passing defenses in the league. But if their uh, defensive front can get after Mac Jones, it's going to be tough. I don't know. Yeah. The Saints are underdogs in this game. That's a game I'm tempted to take New Orleans. You know, if it was like Tom Brady's Patriots, I'd be yeah, Patriots all day. But the fact that it's a rookie quarterback and that they haven't really scored and it's like they lost by a point to Miami. Like, they didn't really... They dominated the Jets, but it was mostly, like, them intercepting a quarterback who's a rookie as well. So as long as, like, the Saints don't make the killer mistakes in that game, that's a game they probably win. But, you know, I wouldn't be upset with taking the Patriots here. But in our Pick'em League, I need to make sure I take some picks that are against the grain. And I might take the Saints in that one. I don't have anybody on the Saints. I don't have anybody on the Patriots, so I'm free to pick that game at will. You have the Patriots' defense, so you're invested in them winning. Yeah. All right. Well, what's next on the list? Chargers at the Chiefs. That's going to be an interesting one. Chargers plus 250. 
minus 320 Chiefs. Chiefs are six and a half point favorites. Haven't really played great so far this season. Like, obviously, the offense is still hard to deal with, but they almost lost to Cleveland in week one. If Baker Mayfield doesn't make that, you know, killer interception at the end like he has a tendency to do. And then they blew it with a bonehead interception by Mahomes against the Ravens. But it wasn't just that. Like, the Ravens just started kicking their ass. Like, the defense didn't strike any fear into the Ravens. So the Ravens just started, like, running downhill on them. And once that happened, like, Lamar was out there running aggressively, like, not trying to slide or anything, like, looking for contact. And when, like, Lamar's not a huge quarterback. He's not, like, a Josh Allen where he's bigger than the linebacker that's going to hit him. So it leads me to believe that the Chiefs are vulnerable. And early in the season, they lost to the Raiders last year. And this kind of reminds me of that game where the Chargers have weapons. I think the Chargers have the better defense. Uh, Joey Bosa's healthy, and he's looking like a problem. Herbert is a good young quarterback, but he made, he made some interceptions that hurt him last week. And they lost to Dallas in a game that they very easily could have won at home. And a lot of people expected that game to be like a high-scoring battle. But Dallas has shown that their defense is pretty solid itself. Uh, the Chargers have shown that their defense is solid. But the Chargers don't play the style of football that typically gives the Chiefs problems. So in week one, they played the Browns. The Browns, ground and pound, Chubb, Kareem Hunt ball control, clock control, limit Mahomes' possessions. It was the old formula to beat Tom Brady, too. Like, just keep the ball out of his hands and make every possession count. Because if you give them too many possessions, like, sooner or later, they're going to score on you. And against the Ravens, like, kind of the same thing, where it's, like, ground and pound, run the ball, play defense. And both of those teams are more equipped, or at least further along in their development of building a team that's capable of beating the Chiefs, where the Chargers are a division rival, so they play the Chiefs twice every year, but they don't really have that um, hammer of a running back. Like, that's not who Eckler is. That's not really who Justin Jackson is. They're still heavily involved in using the running back out of the backfield. You have Eckler. I do. I mean, that's a game where he should have a good game. But if it comes down to, like, a one-possession game and it's like, you know, who do you fear more having the ball at the end of the game? Mahomes. Oh, yes. I don't think they should be 96% favorites in this game, though. This is a game that the Chargers can definitely win. And six and a half is too many. Unless the Chargers, like, all of a sudden just, like, start screwing up and they suck. They've shown that they're definitely capable of being in this game, and the Chiefs have shown that their defense gives up a lot of points. So I think 6.5 is too many. The over-under at 54.5, I think I think the average score of the Chiefs games this season is like 65. So that's a big cushion. You get 10 points on the average, so definitely take the over on that game. <sighs> that's tough because the Chiefs are at home. They're coming off a loss that you know that they regret playing the way that they played down the stretch against the Ravens. Because it's like if Mahomes doesn't make that play where they get intercepted there, they probably still win that game. 
but they showed a lot of vulnerabilities too. And Herbert's not the kind of guy who's going to like hurt you with the run game, but if you're the Chargers, you want to mix in some RPOs in there and get that Chiefs defense exposed. And then even if you throw or just like run for a little bit here and there, he's no Lamar Jackson, of course, but he's a better thrower of the football. So oh, that's so tough. Chiefs in a close one at home. At home, I mean. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if the Chiefs have lost back-to-back games with Andy Reid as the coach. At home or in general? In in general, in the Mahomes era. I mean, they were fifteen and one last season. I think they were fourteen and two the year before, and then the year they won the Super Bowl, well, they were fourteen and two that year. So, yeah, I don't know if they've lost back-to-back games, and it's just the way they lost that game too is the kind of game where it's like they need to come out and show that they're the Chiefs again, right? But I think the Chargers hang with them, and uh, I think the Chargers maybe get them later in the season. So I'm probably I'm tempted to take the Chiefs, but if some if something comes down the pipe on the injury report when I start doing like my deeper dive, I wouldn't uh, shy away from the Chargers on that one either. I like the Chargers; they're a good young team. They're not quite there yet, but uh, they're getting there. And then who's next on this list? Falcons at the Giants. Ooh, clunker. Couple of 0 and 2 squads going at it. Well, someone's gonna get a win, right? Someone's O has got to go unless <laughs> they end in a draw. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be funny. It would be, and it would be appropriate because a draw of zero zero. Well, that's not gonna happen, but <laughs> and you have Ridley going in this game, so you don't want that to happen. That's true. I don't want it yeah. to happen. Ridley so, needs to go crazy. Yeah, I would say be pretty confident firing up Ridley here. He hit his rhythm against a much tougher defense in Tampa Bay last week, scored a touchdown. So they kind of figured out what they want to do. They're starting to get Kyle Pitts involved in the offense. They still don't have a run game really in Atlanta, and their defense is still pretty bad as they've averaged giving up over 40 points a game at this point, uh, or right around 40. So it's still like... If you're going to score points against a defense, Atlanta's that defense. But then the Giants, you know, they're not great either. They scored seven. No, they scored 13 in week one, but some of that was garbage time in the fourth quarter. Uh, And then they look pretty good against the supposedly tough Washington defense. So it's like, okay, if they run this kind of deceptive run-pass option game and use Daniel Jones to run and then just hit some key throws here and there, they're dangerous and the offense can work. And if it's going to work against anybody, it's going to work against Atlanta. But I always tend to favor, like, the more skilled, experienced team. And that used to be the Falcons, but I don't know if that's the case anymore. You got Kenny Galladay. You got Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. Saquon starting to get healthy again, but he's still not quite himself. Giants, I think, have the better defense, and they're at home. And that's a game that got away from them last week, too. So, you know, they're going to want this one back. It's close. It's a 60-40 game where the Giants are favored. Coin toss also. Yeah, I mean, they're favored by three, which, I don't know, seems like a lot, though. Just because Atlanta does have the offensive weapons to win that game. And if it becomes an offensive shootout, it's going to be hard for a Giants team to keep pace. Over-under is 47. I'll take the over on that. Giants to win. Maybe the Falcons cover. Maybe a field goal game. 
that's I don't see the Giants like dominating that game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't see the Giants dominating any game. No offense to the Giants, but they're just not there yet. So we'll move on. I'll say Giants win though. Giants win barely. Uh, Bears at the Browns. Where's that on our list here? Do, 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 do. Bears. Ooh, Browns favored 93%. Andy Dalton, I don't know if he's playing. His knee's messed up. And if Justin Fields plays, it's like you get a more dynamic player, but a guy who's mistake-prone so far. He did just enough to win, but as soon as he took over for Dalton, Cincinnati got back in that game and almost came back and won it. So I got to say Browns at home. They're going to run the shit out of the ball. Beckham's coming back. For sure. I thought he was still questionable. Well, it said it looks like he's going to play. Again, once I start, like, really getting into the injury report, I can maybe do a more accurate assessment. I've kind of glanced at it when I started doing my write-up, but I'm behind schedule, so. How how far in advance do they have to post the injury report? The last practice of the week is Thursday, I think. So the final injury report is due Thursday. Regardless of when the game is? Yeah, but, like, um... I'm just going to take a look at the Steelers because I have it up. So it's, oh, sorry, it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So Friday's the final injury report. But, like, Joe Hayden was listed as questionable last week. And then when the game came, they sat him. So he was out at the last minute. Mm. So it's not, it's not set in stone at the end of the filing of the injury report. But it's better than nothing. So, Brownies at home. Bears got a good defense, maybe make it close. And the Browns have shown they're a little, like, spazoid. The game with the Texans was close until Tyrod got hurt. So, if Taylor continues playing in that game, maybe the Texans scare them and maybe they get a win out of it. Who knows? And then Landry got hurt, too. So, it's going to be really scary to be like, okay, we don't know who our, you know, receivers are here, but we do have these two running backs. Maybe I'll pick up Njoku. I do need a tight end, and he's available. And you don't have any roster space anymore. But I have space to drop an ad. I'll do it right now. (laughs) You're not going to beat me to it. I think he's still on waivers, though. Got to outshice the shice. Oh, I don't know. He was out there. There he is. Yeah, he's on waivers. I know. I don't know what to do at tight end, because I'm like, okay, but... Does that mean you can pick him up tomorrow? Let me see when he's off waivers. 9.26. So, yeah, I could pick him up off waivers tomorrow morning, you know? Yeah. Or, like, at midnight, technically. Uh, yeah. We'll be, we'll be awake at that point, so. We'll see. All right, let's get on to the next game. We'll go Browns, 7.5. Yeah, they probably cover that. But if we get to see Justin Fields start, you never know. Maybe uh, they don't. They have a game plan for him properly, and he makes something happen. But Browns have a decent defense, and they're going to get better as the season goes. So we've got Miami plus one seventy five at the minus two ten Raiders. Two is out. The Raiders are ninety five percent favorites. I don't see how this game is so close. Like, I don't know how they set the line at plus one seventy five. It seems like fairly good money, or sorry, fairly good money on the Raiders at minus two ten. Like, knowing that Jacoby Brissett's going to come in and play for this team. Like, 
you're starting quarterbacks out. You're going on the road to a Raiders team that's 2-0 and that came off a huge win over the Ravens, who beat the Chiefs, and then beat the Steelers, who beat the Bills. So you have two wins over teams who were the number one and two teams in the AFC last year. So, like, NFL math isn't exactly a straight line, but the quality of win for the Raiders is very high right now. And they're at home still, too, right? Yeah. With and Derek teams. Carr is playing lights out right now. Which is why I took him from my backup. I know. I dropped Brian Edwards, I think. Just because they... I mean, like, I, he scored a touchdown, too. I think he's on my bench. And, uh... Let me see. Well, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, out. they're both out there. Um, but they just throw the ball to Waller all the time, so... And combined, like, they're only scoring six points a week. So, on average, like, that's not great. And they just don't... Th- like, get, Renfro gets a lot of targets, but it's all short yardage. They get down near the goal line, and it's Waller or the running game. And it's like only when they're trailing and they're like double teaming Waller that they're like, all right, we'll finally throw to one of these guys over here. I like Edwards. I think probably second half of the season, as teams adjust to guarding Waller, he'll probably have a good year. Maybe I'll pick him back up. I don't know. I don't know. But Raiders by four seems like easy money. Over under 45, probably, I don't know. Dolphins scored zero last week. And they only scored. Yeah, they got shut out by Buffalo. And they only scored. Oh, that's right, that's right. They scored seventeen in week one, so they haven't even broken twenty this year. And their average points—I mean, it's only been two weeks—but their average is what eight and a half. So if the Raiders hold serve and score in the twenties, at least like they have been, you're looking at probably the under on forty-five there, because the Raiders' defense has been pretty good—not as good as Buffalo's, but they've been able to create some problems for these opposing teams so far. Yeah, Raiders by four seems good. I like that. And minus 210 is, like, really not that bad. If you're going to bet on a team on the straight-up money line, that's not terrible. And then we go Jets at the Broncos. Broncos favored by 10.5, over under 41.5. Jets stink. Broncos are 2-0. and I don't think the Jets are going to be the team that exposes the Broncos as maybe not being great. But the Broncos got Von Miller back, and it makes their defense a lot better. You know, their defense has still stayed pretty solid. Um, Their receiving core is pretty good, even without Judy. They still have Hamler. They still have Patrick. They still have Sutton. They have depth at the running back position. And then Bridgewater, just like he knows how to manage a football game, doesn't really make huge mistakes. If they pass protect for him and have a run game, like, it'd make the game really easy on him. And he showed in Carolina and New Orleans in the last couple years that like you give some give him some tools and he can play well. So Zach Wilson's been struggling his ass off with the Jets. He had like four interceptions last week. Kind of confidence killer. It's like you get drafted, you go to the Jets. Look at like Sam Darnold. Like he was on the Jets. He was their quarterback for the same year as Josh Allen got drafted, 2017 or 2018. And already in Carolina, he's got like a higher quarterback rating. Higher total QBR, higher uh, completion percentage rate, better um, average yards per attempt. So Sam Darnold's already playing the best football of his career just getting off the Jets. That says a lot about the Jets organization that they always have to keep drafting quarterbacks, but they can't figure out why their quarterbacks keep, you know, sucking. 
They did it to Geno Smith, too. Like, they just can't figure it out. And it's because they don't invest in the offensive line. They don't invest in the defense. So they make the game especially hard on their quarterback. So what are they investing in? They invest in talent. Like, the best, like, well, I would say, um, sorry, what is it? Skill positions. So they're like, we're going to draft, like, a young stud running back. We're going to draft, like, one of the best quarterbacks we can. We're going to draft a young receiver. And then they trade for Corey Davis, and they get him from Tennessee. Or they didn't trade for him. I think he signed in free agency. But it's like, okay, so you made a good receiver acquisition, but you're starting over at quarterback, and you're not building the offensive line out. You're not securing the running back position to help the quarterback. So in games where they're down, like, he can't just hand the ball off. Like, he can, but it's not going to go anywhere. You saw it. Like, look what happened to Le'Veon Bell when he went to the Jets, right? It's like he went from Pittsburgh where he was a stud, and then he's like, I'm, be- I'm betting on myself that it's not the Pittsburgh offensive line that made me who I am. And then he goes to the Jets, and it's like, welcome to the Jets. <laughs> this is where you don't get any blocking, and you just get pounded into the ground without gaining any yardage. And so he had the worst year of his career, and now he's a backup. Le'Veon Bell was the best running back in football for several years. And, like, one of the one of the best running backs I've seen, like, his vision and his timing in the backfield was great, but Pittsburgh had a great offensive line, and they understood the value of their offensive line. And there's a reason that Mike Tomlin's Pittsburgh team has been consistently good for, you know, a decade at this point, longer than that, because they understand that the game is won and lost at the line of scrimmage. And the Jets don't seem to understand that. And so they will continuously struggle until they get that figured out. And they brought in, uh, I think it's Robert Salas is coaching there now, ex-49ers. I think he was the defensive coordinator for the Niners, got that head coaching job. So hopefully he changes the philosophy there. But now is not the time in the season where the Jets are going to get their first win, I don't think. They haven't shown any signs of life at this point. So Broncos comfortably... Plus, it's the altitude. So all these guys who have never played in that altitude before, they're going to be huffing and puffing. Zach Wilson's going to get really tired in the second half. And Vaughn Miller and that defense is going to be running downhill on them. So Broncos all day, 10.5. Seems like a lot, but in this matchup, I'm going to say 10.5. They probably cover under 41.5. Yeah, Jets haven't really scored much. And even when the Broncos score, they're not, like, blowing the roof off. They just play conservative and do what they do, so... I can see that game being like 20, 28-7, 27-10, something like that. Comfortable, smooth sailing win for the Broncos. They go to 3-0. and And then next on the list, we got the Seahawks, minus 120 at Minnesota, plus 100. Seahawks are favored by a point and a half with an over-under of 55. The only thing I see, I'll definitely take the over there. Because both teams can score. Both teams have scored. But man, did I not like what I saw out of the Seahawks at the end of the game against the Titans. And that scares me in this game. Because the Vikings have a similar build to the Titans. In that they have like a dominant running back one. They have two receivers on the outside that are big threats. And... Osborne now being their slot receiver, who I picked up. I saw that. Yeah. Sneaky. That's right. I got him and more. Those guys could be league winners for me down the stretch if the trend continues. But I digress. (laughs) The Seahawks had four possessions at the end of the game against Tennessee to close it out, and they couldn't convert shit. And 
I'm a Seahawks fan. I mean, I'm a Bills fan first, but I do like the Seahawks. Been up to Seattle to see a football game. I like Russell Wilson, but I don't like what I've seen from Russell Wilson over the last couple of years. Like, especially you saw it down the second half of last season. Seahawks were losing games that they shouldn't lose. And they went 12-4, and four, but, like, I think they lost to the Giants in, like, a low-scoring, like, stink fest in a game that they shouldn't lose. And this is a game where they were up 30-16 to 16 on the Titans. And it was in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, it's like their offense just evaporated. They went three and out, punted, went, and then they, they stopped Tennessee on downs. So Tennessee ended up scoring. It was... Seattle made it 30-16. Tennessee cracked that big Derrick Henry run to make it 30-23. Seattle goes three and out and punts. Tennessee then comes out, and Seattle stops them on downs in the fourth quarter. So it's 30-27. to All you need is a field goal, and this game is over because it's a two-possession game. Worst case scenario, maybe Tennessee has a chance to tie, but you control your own fate if you can just get a field goal. They go three and out again. And then Tennessee goes down. Scores again. Now it's 30-30, to and Seattle has the ball at the end of the game. Again, all you need is that field goal. Russell Wilson goes like 2-4. of four. He rushes for a first down, and then rather than take a shot at the end zone from midfield, they throw like an underneath route to lock, and he just runs out of bounds, and the time winds down. So I don't even know what the fuck kind of play call that was. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish, but the fact that they didn't try to win the game there is concerning. Like, you have DK Metcalf. Throw the ball to the end zone and give that big-ass motherfucker a chance to go up and get the ball. Like, he hasn't really played up to his potential this season because I think teams figured out that, like, this dude He's is scary. We need, to, we need to plan for him accordingly. And I guess Tennessee just did that really well because Lockett had a huge game again. But if you have that guy who's, like, 6'4 and that athletic and that fast you have to find a way to give him a chance to win the game for you. And from your own 43, Russell Wilson's got more than enough arm strength to get that ball to the end zone. Worst case scenario, you get picked off, you know, and you make a tackle in the end zone or something like that. Really, worst case scenario, gets run back for a touchdown on you or something crazy like that. But, I mean, you can get a pass interference call there. You can make so many things happen by throwing the ball into the end zone or at least throwing the ball downfield and taking a shot, being aggressive. You put the pressure on the defense, but they didn't play aggressive there, so they play for overtime. Tennessee wins the toss, and when they win the toss, Seattle, like, all right, they come out, they get the stop, they get the ball back. It's like, all right, so we didn't score there, but we got the ball back here. And then they fucking go three and out again. And Russell Wilson looks like shit on that possession, too, and he takes a giant sack that was almost a safety that lost the game. But he, I mean, he really, he intentionally grounded the ball, and they didn't call it. And then Seattle punts, and Tennessee just has field position because Seattle's punting from, like, their own one-yard line. And Tennessee gets the ball around midfield and just gets 20 yards and kicks the field goal, and the game's over. Um, So that's shameful. And to see that the Vikings have come off, like, a couple, like, really close losses in games that they could have won, I'm not super high on Seattle in this game. I hope Seattle recognizes that last game. It's like, that's a game that we should have won, and we fucked up. And we got to come out and kick uh, Minnesota's ass. But they're in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins is playing really good right now. I think it's going to be on like whether or not Dalvin Cook's healthy. Because eventually, Derrick Henry just broke through. And once he broke through on him, Seattle was exhausted in the second half and couldn't stop him. 
Any thoughts? You got Thielen in that game. Yeah, let's go with a Thielen day if Cook is hurt. Yeah, I mean, I Keep might play... Keep him reserved. I might play Osborne. <laughs> no, it's a Thielen day. Yeah, he'll be Thielen it. All right, so I'm not going to... Uh, that's, that's a game I'm torn on. You know, I'm a, uh, I'm a Hawks guy, so I got to say Seattle, but when and if Minnesota wins that game, I'm going to be like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and like you can tell because Seattle's only minus 120 and plus one and a half so the odds makers know that this game is dangerous but the pick has Seattle as 80% favorites so a lot of people are just picking Seattle to win that game but the odds makers know that this is a closer game than that and then we go Sunday night football Tampa Bay on the road visiting Los Angeles Visiting SoFi Stadium and the Rams. Both teams 2-0. Rematch from last year. Didn't quite end up that way in the playoffs, but the Rams beat them during the regular season last year by playing defense. And not a golf team anymore, so... No, and you're still looking at the teams that were basically... So the Rams were number one overall. The Buccaneers were the number six overall defense last year. So you got to think that, you know, these teams know each other well. This could be a potential NFC Championship game right here. I mean, they brought Matt Stafford in to do that. Bucks are favored less than Seattle is favored, which is interesting. It is, because weren't they the highest favored percentage last week? Yeah, I mean, against the Falcons, they were like 98%. But So this game also is a one-and-a-half-point game where the road team is the favorite. Over under 55, over. These teams are going to score on each other. Just because I think both defenses are so good that both offenses are going to get a lot of opportunities. And when both teams have that many touches on offense, I think, you know, both of these teams like to throw. You got Ramsey on one side. You got the Buccaneers pass rush on the other side. So (sighs) it should be a fun one. This is Sunday night or Monday night? Sunday night, yeah. And it's like, last year I understand why the Rams won, because it's like the Bucks weren't, like, they didn't really hit their stride yet. But so far, it's like we've seen the Bucks have just carried their momentum from last year over into this season. I mean, Brady and Gronk alone. What the fuck, man? Going crazy. Turn the clock back. <laughs> Gronk, two touchdowns a game. <laughs> I mean, Aaron Donald is a beast. He's going to create his problems in the middle. Can the Rams run the ball well enough to manage the clock against Brady? Like we were talking about earlier with the Chiefs, like the key is to like not let Brady have enough possessions. And especially don't let him have that last possession with the game on the line because he's going to find a way. Rams at home. Ugh. I got to favor the Bucks just because they're the champs. I haven't seen anything so far this year to let me think that they're not as good as they were last year. They look better, to be honest. You know, it took them a while last season, and I think they won the last, like, five games to get to 10-6 and six or 11-5. and five. They found their stride. Well, they did, and they had to learn, like, what they do well, how to win games. They, they had to learn that, like, running the ball was going to be valuable to their team. So... I don't want to pick against the Rams here, but 
Got to go with the champs. Got to go with Tom. But if any team can get to him at this point in the season, the Rams are built to do that. They're built to collapse the pocket in the middle with Aaron Donald. And that's really how you get to Tom Brady. You got to push the center or the guards back into his face. Because if those three guys can create that little shell and your only pressure is coming from the edge, Tom is so good at stepping up into the pocket and getting the ball at his hand really quickly that like that edge rush is just not going to be a problem for him. But if you can collapse the guy directly in front of him and make Tom have to move back when he doesn't want to or have to move into the edge rushers one way or the other when he doesn't want to, that can disrupt his timing. That can get the ball out of his hand maybe at the wrong time. Um, yeah, the Rams can do it. But you know that the offensive line is going to be focused on stopping Aaron Donald. So you're going to have to blitz a lot as the Rams... And you don't want to blitz Tom Brady too much. But if Antonio Brown doesn't play and it's Godwin, Evans, Gronk, maybe they roll uh, O.J. Howard out there and we have an O.J. Howard sighting because he was having a good year until he got hurt last year. And if they start running that double tight end set, like, oh, man, that's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be just like that Patriots team back in the day. So I got to favor the Bucks for now. Just I feel that their offensive weaponry is more equipped to deal with the defense versus vice versa. It's like Stafford's good, and you got Woods and Cup and Higby and stuff, but their run game I don't think is consistent enough. I just I don't see it. But whatever. I'm going to pick the Bucks. hope the Rams beat them. Probably won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it could, though. It's, it's a closer game than people think, and it's not, it's not the Super Bowl. It's not the playoffs, so it's not the most meaningful game, but... I could see Tampa being like, we want to go undefeated. We want to finish that undefeated season that Tom had and lost in the Super Bowl uh, for the Patriots a couple years back. And it's like the last time, you know, Tom played the Rams, they lost, but they beat him in the Super Bowl the year prior. So one and one against McVay, basically. I don't know. It's going to be a good game. Yeah, I think it's a toss. I'm glad our dinner plans got switched. Oh, wait, no, that's the afternoon game. That's not even the Sunday night game. That's the, that's America's game of the week. That's the 1 o'clock game. Uh, Sunday night game is the Packers at the Niners. Niners favored by 3.5 with an over-under of 49.5. I don't know why it's a coin toss game. I mean, I do know why it's a coin toss game. Chris is really high on uh, the Niners. He's obviously a Niners fan. He thinks they're going to win comfortably because they own Green Bay when Green Bay goes to San Francisco. But this isn't an East Coast team heading west for a morning game. So they're not going to be jet lagged in the same way. Uh, It's Sunday night under the lights. Green Bay got back on track with a win over the Lions. Niners are 2-0 though. And like I'm looking at their wins and they've both beaten the Lions. Green Bay did it slightly better. Uh, the Niners are super banged up with injuries. So I think that's no going to be a bigger factor than anything else. And when you look like who are the best players on the field, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. So I think Green Bay brings the best players onto the field, at least on offense. But when you have Nick Bosa on the other side, he's a disruptor big time. Debo Samuel is a great player. He's maybe not quite at like the, the tippity top yet, but... He's shown that he's a great receiver. And when he was a rookie, he actually reminded me a lot of Eric Moulds, who was my favorite football player. 
and I'm jealous that the Niners have him, but he's awesome. He just he plays so physical. And he's a, he's a slant running machine, so I think the Niners can definitely hang in this game. I don't think it's going to be one-sided. But I don't know. This is a game where I know some Niners fans are going to pick the Niners. So it's a game where I can maybe get a pick by going with Green Bay. And it's a coin tossy type of game. If Green Bay plays like Green Bay should, and the team that made it to the NFC Championship game last year, Green Bay wins. If Green Bay is not that team, or if the Niners are somehow back to the team that made it to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, then that's a much different discussion. But the Niners are very beat up, and their secondary is blistered with injuries. Their running back position is devastated. So I don't know that you know, they're healthy enough, to be honest. They can still compete, though. Like, they're still good, but I'm going to take Green Bay in that one. And Green Bay is the underdogs at plus 155, so that's good plus money on Green Bay. But I'll take Green Bay to win outright, so that means they cover over under 49. I'll say over but if you get Aaron Rodgers out of rhythm early that's a wrap like Green Bay does not respond well to adversity whatsoever and they showed it over and over again last season look what happened in the New Orleans game earlier this season it's like they get punched in the mouth to start the football game and they're just like yeah we're yeah we're not interested I think it was 17-3 they're driving and then Aaron Rodgers threw a pick in that game and it got run back for a touchdown or down like the one yard line or something. As soon as that happened against New Orleans, it was like, yeah, we're done. That was the first game, right? Yeah. Yeah, he just threw a tantrum. Yeah, and I mean, I understand they've had a lot of offseason issues, but when they're rolling and they're playing like the Packers, they're super tough to deal with. So I'll probably sneak with Packers on that one and hope that they win. We'll see. This is going to be harder than week two. It's going to be closer. I don't think anybody gets 12 games right this week. I think we're looking at probably like a, a 10 week or a 10, 10 win kind of week. I picked Carolina to score the most points this week. Huge mistake. But 26 ain't bad. But it's not going to be at the top. And then finally closing it out, Monday Night Football. Eagles on the road at the Cowboys. Cowboys 86% favorites. That's That's high in my opinion. Eagles are good. Eagles are pretty good. I know they lost against the 49ers, but the Niners played defense. Cowboys defense is good, but it's not as good. The Cowboys, in theory, have more of the weaponry in the right places. Like, they're, you know, two really good receivers deep. Schultz is a good tight end. That running back duo is pretty nasty. And then you go to the Eagles, and it's like, all right, they got Devonta Smith, uh, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Rager. Dallas Goddard, I think Kenneth Gainwell is backing up Miles Sanders, and Sanders is off the injury report, so I hope that Sanders has a good one here, because I need him. He's basically my number one back right now, and he can maybe bail me out on the last game of the week if I'm struggling. So you are playing him? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta roll with them, but I have, right now, this looks like I have it listed as the Cowboys winning a close game against the Eagles. I'll take the Eagles to cover four for sure. This is a division game. It's going to be close. Over under 51. I'm going to say under. I have it listed as 23-21 right now, but I don't know that that holds up. And then I have the Packers winning a close game against San Francisco also. I don't know. you have anybody in that Eagles-Cowboys game? 
I mean, I could if I decide to play him because I regretted not playing him last week. Pollard. Yeah. It's a decent matchup for Pollard just because the Eagles defensive front is going to be looking to like stop Zeke, right? And then so when Pollard's in the game, he's going to be a change of pace back. You're typically going to put him in the game where the Eagles defense is not geared to stop the run, so he can gash you for some plays here and there. I don't know if he goes off for 20 like he did last week, but it's not a bad game to play Pollard. I need a win, so the Eagles, I need him to go for 20. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the – I haven't – let me uh, – I want to double-check something, but I think the Eagles lost, like, their best linebacker. So give me one second. Because that's going to matter, because the Eagles still have a good defensive front, but if they're shorthanded on defense, it's going to make things a lot easier on Dallas's offense. Mm. You know, let's see, so who's out? Oh, their safety, McLeod, Rodney McLeod is out. Davian Taylor is questionable at linebacker. You're talking about Eagles? Yeah, Jordan Mailata's out at tackle. Boston Scott's questionable with the illness. And I guess their other linebacker is... Maybe he got put on IR, so he's not listed here. Let me take a look a little deeper. Must be. I don't even see him on the depth chart anymore. Because if he's IR, they don't need to add it each week. Well, yeah, because he's not on the depth chart because he's out for the season. Mm. Uh, Graham, I think, is who I'm thinking of. So that's that's tough. Brandon Graham. Yeah, it must be him. I don't see him listed on the depth chart or the injury report, so that tells me that he's on IR for the season. Yep, he's gone. So that's a huge hit to their defense, so I'm definitely going to take Dallas in this one. I can't help it. Like, I think the Eagles hang tough, but without him, they're going to have to figure out something on defense. And it, it hurts the Eagles' defense in the area that they're the strongest as well. So, I don't know. I like Dallas in that one already anyway. In a close one, just I think Dallas got the momentum right now. Is there a game that you're looking forward to the most this week? I mean, obviously, I'm into that Bills game. but um, I'm pretty interested in the Vikings-Seahawks game. Yeah, got some ties there for sure. Yeah. I mean, we like the Vikings, but we were more like, we started liking the Vikings during that Case Keenum era, so. Yeah, it was like three years ago. Yeah, and that's, you know, so the connection to get Diggs to Buffalo. It's funny, like when I used to play Madden back in the day, I'd traded to get Diggs on the Bills, and now he's there. That's happened a couple of times where I made trades that ended up happening later in real life. <laughs> so let's see, the, the Cowboys are also missing Carlos Watkins on the D line, and they're going to be without... uh Armstrong on the D-line, and they're going to be without their tackle. Was that Ty Niski? So their D-line is a little beat up, too. So a game could be higher scoring than I thought initially, and that's over under a 51. That's still pretty high. Division game, Monday night, a little wild. I'll go over 
on that one over 51 and a half. That's not what I put down in my stupid pickums, but all right, we're locked and loaded. I saved that. Any final thoughts on the games this week? No, I just hope everything goes smoothly and I get a win this week. I mean, I'm already down by 13 this week. So that's disappointing. <clears throat> Miles Sanders limited chest injury in Thursday practice. But he's off the injury report. Is that according to Yahoo? Yeah. I feel like Yahoo this year is a little slow in reporting things. Yeah. Well, that's why we look at Sleeper, so we get those. Yeah. Keep a, hey, if you're playing fantasy football, you should know about that already. I've seen it out there. There's plenty of fantasy football resources for you if you're really into that. But I'm being told not to share it. <laughs> I shouldn't have shared it with you in the first place. Oh, like it's mattered. I still suck at fantasy football. <laughs> All right, well, I guess that'll do it. Yeah. If you're listening to my picks, hopefully I don't steer you too wrong. I did good last week. If you if you follow me on straight up picks, you went twelve and four. That was pretty good. Well, I'm off to a rough start since I didn't get my pick in on time. Yeah, that's true. But you're only down one, so it's not an unwinnable week, and you're not in last place in the league either. Okay. It's still Chris. It's still Chris. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, it's funny we were talking about that when I uh. Had him on the show just recently. He was just like, I'm not good at this. I'm like, nah. (laughs) Did you you tell him he can't win two years in a row? In fantasy? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not the rule, but we got to stop him from winning two years in a row. That's what I'm saying. He's 0-2 in fantasy, too. He's in last place in fantasy and in the pick-em league. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, we can't let him win. I mean, that's the goal. The goal is for me to win, and if not me. me to win. Well, if you win, I'll be happy for you, but I'm still trying to make me win. (laughs) Cutthroat. Yeah. But if you and I come in first and second, like then we take home most of the money, so I'm happy with that. All right. All right. Deal. Deal. <laughs> All right, everybody. Good luck. Enjoy the games. Happy Sunday football. Happy Sunday. Go Bills. Thanks once again for joining us. The Scheist Podcast is an extension of thescheist.com. If you like what we're doing here, you can help us out by liking, subscribing, sharing, all that good stuff from wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and go Bills.